This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com BE. Welcome to the Principal Purpose Podcast, where principal and certified life coach Lynn Harden teaches you how to leave work at work and in between get more done with energy using her proven formula after leading three award-winning schools. And now, here's your host, Lynn Harden. Okay, welcome. Welcome to the Principal Purpose Podcast. And I'm super excited for you to hear from and get to know our guest for this episode. Her name is Carrie Lynn Morgan, and she is a relationship coach. Because as, as we know, in any workforce, and especially in the school environment and the school culture and the community, relationships are everything. That is what's so important. Your relationship with your students, with your parents, with your colleagues, with your principal or your assistant soup, that relationships are just very, very important. So I wanted to ask her on to get to know her and tell us a little bit about what a relationship coach is. And then we're going to explore the power of transitions. And this was a suggestion from Carrie Lynn. And I thought, oh, that's perfect because as educators, we know the necessity and the importance, the importance of having transitions, whether for our kids, at least at school and in the classroom, that they have that time to smoothly move from one activity to another so that they can let go of one and become focused and engaged on the next task. And we got to chit-chatting about a little bit about, well, what about the adults? the transitions, the transitions that we have from when we go from home to work or we go from the teacher lounge to the classroom or the classroom to lunch or staff meeting and then from work to home. What are those transitions like and how can we set ourselves up best to let go of the event we are leaving and, and focus and engage and be fully present and intentional with where we are next. So we're, we're going to get into that. But before we do, I want to ask Carrie Lynn, tell us what is a relationship coach? Thank you, Lynn. Hello, everybody. I am so pleased to be here with Lynn. I'm so glad you asked me on here. As a relationship coach, most people, they think about me working with couples. But I would say I also work with, I work with any kind of dynamic, you know, parent, child, I'll say, you know, older teenage child. I don't work super very much with younger children, but coworkers, 
any place where you have to have an interaction with someone where your communication, where you feel like your communication could be a little bit better. What I really work on with people is the connection that they have. Because to me, connection is everything. And there's some tips and tricks around how you feel more connected with people. But, you know, each individual, each, each couple, each dyad is different. And so as a communication, as a relationship coach, what I work on is, is for, for people to find out what is the best way that we can communicate with each other. I love that because I, as a classroom teacher and, and even as a, a school leader, there's a sense of isolation and this desire to be community, to be a part of a community and connected. It can seem it can seem rather isolating from other adults, from a podcast or a blog, or I said to someone or was in a journal that in school safety is everything. You cannot learn unless you feel safe. And that safety is not the absence or removal of threats, but it is the presence of connection. And that's how we create safety. So I just love that you brought up the importance of, of connection. So, so tell me more about why relationships might be important in a workforce or a school site, besides well, the safety. Right. I mean, exactly. I love the safety part of it. One of the things that I speak to people about is being vulnerable. And I don't mean that in the sense of, like, allowing yourself to be physically hurt. What I mean about being vulnerable is this place where connection can only happen if our walls are down. If our walls are up, we, we cannot connect with people. So we have to be willing to trust, trust them, trust ourselves that we have the authority in ourselves to, to do what we need to do to take care of ourselves. So your question was about, you know, I think, why is it important? Why would it be important in, in any work yeah. situation or which a school site is business? It is a work mm -hmm. situation. Yeah. So why is it important to have connection? It will, we work with people. Oh, I mean, in a school site, I would say, you know, even with your, with your kids, of course, you want to connect with them, with your students. You want them to be able to open up to what you have to offer to them, to what they have to offer to each other. And so as children, particularly in school, you know, they are learning, they're learning how to connect with each other. They're learning how to connect with adults. They're learning how to connect with themselves. And that's just so important because we live in a society. We live depending on other people. And so we have to learn how to allow ourselves to do that. Oh, that is so beautiful. So that's, I think you've answered the question that I had about how we live our life on purpose. And a person that is purpose-driven and living their life on purpose, they are striving for connection. They, in the way we do connect with, is with our communication and with our hearts and, and being vulnerable and, and being open. So just out of curiosity, I mean, I think it's pretty clear what my purpose in life is. Uh, what is your purpose in life? 
I would say my purpose in life is to help people be honest with each other at its core. That's what my purpose in life is to help people discover their own autonomy and power and truth in such a way that they can present it to the world, to their partner, to their coworkers, to their children. I love it. So why do you think people aren't honest mm. with each other? <laughs> they're scared. I mean, really, they're scared. They're scared of what will happen if they tell the truth. They're afraid of hurting people. That's the biggest one. A lot of people are afraid of hurting someone else with their honesty. That the little further part of that is they're afraid that if they hurt the other person, it's going to come back to them in either anger or shame or guilt or some other feeling that that doesn't feel good. You know, we don't want to walk around this world feeling shameful about what we do. Or and it's just a story they tell themselves that's just not true. I, in my travels, I meet parents who talk about problems that they have with the school or problems they have with curriculum or problems they have with an employee or concerns that they may have. And I'll say, well, did you talk to the teacher? And they're like, oh, no, no, I couldn't do that. I'm like, why? <laughs> well, because they'll take it out on my kid. I go, okay. that is not true. In fact, just the opposite is true. The more you express your concern and actually kind of the squeaky wheels get the attention. And I said, but the more you express your concerns, the more you in honesty try to build that relationship, just mm -hmm. the opposite happens. And I have never, ever in 25 years seen a staff member or teacher be punitive towards a child because a parent complained. Right. It, it just it just doesn't happen. But that was why they were unwilling to be honest. They thought mm -hmm. someone at the school might hurt their kids. And I'm it's just not true. Ooh. Yeah. And that's a big one. I mean, that's a I mean, I understand it. Yeah, that's a huge it. fear. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. a huge fear that, you know, not only affects you, but affects your kids if it were true. One of the things that I find working with with my clients, because a lot of times people won't ask for what they want. Mm. And so we, we a lot of times come around to this discussion about why don't you ask for what you want? Why don't you mm -hmm. tell them your needs? Why don't you tell them your concerns? And, you know, we'll discuss that. But what ultimately it comes around to is if you don't tell somebody what you want or what your needs are, or what your concerns are, they can't do anything about it. They're it's not so mind true. readers. They're it's just so guessing. True. And we're kind of bad guessers as humans, you know? I mean, it's oh, so especially when there's a lot of guessing, a lot of guessing yeah. to be done. I cannot tell you how many times I would say at the site, I can't help you if you don't tell me what's going on. Exactly. So tell me what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And so to, to get people to understand that it's actually a kindness to tell someone what's bothering you, it's actually a, a kindness to tell a teacher so they don't have to spend all the extra time trying to figure out what what is going on with this kid or with this parent or mm -hmm. this coworker. Mm -hmm. 
you know, just tell them. No, and there are better ways to tell them than others, but just tell them. Right. But I would rather, I would rather someone tell me, even if it was a little messy Mm -hmm. and not a little messy and maybe they come across a little aggressive or a little defensive or emotional. I'm, I, I can handle it. I'm a big yeah. girl. Yeah. I can handle it. And I've certainly had that experience where parents or teachers were very emotional, came in pretty hot and heavy. And my thought was, man, they need something. What is it that they need? What is it that they need? And I, and it's never personal, even though it always feels like it's personal, but it never is. And so that's so interesting. So oh, well, interesting. I, I love that you've done that work on yourself. I mean, yeah. because I will say, like, many people have not. Many people have not done that yeah. work. So yeah. this is part of well, what... well, not yet, because not yet. that's what that is what we're right. up to. That's, that's what, what coaches are for. That's why we're life coaches, <laughs> exactly, to exactly. help them be able to feel their emotions and handle those situations and 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 not feel threatened. And I would never suggest that anyone be in a situation where they were threatened or they there could be some type of trauma. I'm talking about somebody just being slightly irritated. Yeah. I can handle that. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I can handle that. So, so how do you think we, we've kind of talked a little bit about it, but as you live, as you live on purpose, what other things, what is, if you live on purpose, so what if, are you as a person who lives on purpose? Cause mm-hmm. I know you, what are some of your favorite communication skills besides just being honest? Just say it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Active listening mm-hmm. is a huge one. Active listening is a tool that I will admit I resist when I was first learning active listening. I resisted it so much. It felt slow. It felt just like it felt like I was walking through a bog if I was trying to have a conversation with someone where we were active listening. Because I'm the type of person that I prefer. I prefer to just be able to say what I want and you understand it and we can have the conversation and we can get to the end and get it all resolved. For those of your listeners who don't know what active listening is, it's a, it's a tool where one person speaks only one or two or three sentences and then the other person reflects back to them what they heard. Mm-hmm. And then the first person will And then they will ask, did I get that right? And the first person has the opportunity to say yes or no. Let me give you some clarification if it's needed. And we're only talking about three sentences. (laughs) And when everybody is super emotional, three sentences is nothing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, once those three sentences feel heard, then the person can continue with three more sentences about what they need to say. And this process just continues. And it may take five minutes to say something that I would normally take 30 seconds to take, to say. And so it felt very, it feels very slow at first. But what I've discovered is not only, of course, the value of being heard and feeling heard, But as a speaker, it really allows me to slow down, to think about what's important in what I'm saying. 
I love that I, because it really is so easy. You know, I'm an emotional creature and it's so easy to just do Gatlin gun. Right. And just vomit up your emotions mm-hmm. just to feel better. So I love that, that it is a tool. And I can see using that with kids when you're investigating what's what's happened or what's going on and just slowing down, saying a few sentences and then giving it some wait time. Yeah. So I love that. Well, th- I think that ac- that tool is a perfect transition for us to move into talking about the importance of transitions, especially when our educators are going from work to back home, but really any t- transition. So I'd love to hear about some suggestions that you have on smooth transitions from work to home. And because I really encourage anyone I coach or anyone that I ever led at a school site to leave work at work. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what are your suggestions? Well, so the the first thing I would say is take a moment. So when you're transitioning, whether that transition happens over your, you know, 20 minute ride home, whether that transition needs to be, or that moment needs to be, you know, two or three minutes sitting in your car in your driveway. It's like, take a moment to slow down. I really do believe in the power of slowing down in connection. We are multitasking, overdoing it creatures. You know, we want to do everything all at once. You know, we're coming home from work. We know we need to get dinner. We've picked up the kids. We're like, you know, we've got to clean the house. We've got to take the dog out. We've got to do all these things. And... There is just so much value in taking a moment to sit and really think about what do I need right now? What do I need right now? Because I think especially as teachers, you know, we spend, we spend all day taking care of the needs and the wants and the desires of other people. You know, whether it's our students or our coworkers or the school board or whatever it is that, you know, we have to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so we need to take some time to say, okay, what do I need right now? Do I need some quiet time? Do I need to have a clean house? Do I need to, you know, spend some time playing with my dog? Do I need some connection with one person? What do I need? First of all, that would be the very first thing. I would, I would suggest for people. And really that can be, I mean, really it can be 30 seconds if you're really good at it. That's a good question. What if you don't know what you need? How would you, how, if you're, if you had a client say, well, I don't know what I need. How would you discover, help them discover what they need? Well, if they wanted a kind of quick tool, I would send them to love languages. Are you familiar with love languages? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just to let you know, gift giving is my love language. So nice. if you send me a gift, I nice. will feel very loved. <laughs> nice. So, I mean, the first thing, if they wanted to kind of have some tools on their own, you know, without the use of a coach, I would say, first of all, go find out what your love language is. That's a place to start because that will give you some framework around what we need. So for you, you know, as a gift giver, do you also like to receive gifts? Yes, I like to receive. So it would be, it would be giving, it would be to give myself something. Okay. 
Okay, great. Yeah. So that's what I would say is like, give yourself something. Maybe for you, a good transition, finding what you want is, you know, I go home and make myself something nice or, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe on the way home, I go get myself a treat or whatever it is, you know, that's a place to start. I'm an acts of service person. That's my love language. That's how I like to show love. Uh, How I like to receive love is physical touch. So for me, if I'm by myself, I might, you know, do a little bit of ear massage or rub my neck or, you know, I have a hand massager vibrator thing that, that, you know, I can use on my shoulders if I need to. So that's a gift I could give. Or I might ask my partner, you know, hey, when I come home, can I just sit on the couch with you for five minutes? You know, and we'll just sit next to each other and hold hands. Because for me, that's really important. That's how I would do something like that. So, so discovering your love language I is a really that. interesting tool to yeah, start that's great. discovering what you need. That's great. Do you? Yeah, that's a great start. Thank you. That that would be a great start. And then I think also just journaling. Mm -hmm. I mean, once you learn more about your love languages, Mm -hmm. just ask yourself. Your brain will answer, for better for worse. But your brain will answer. What do I need to transition? Just ask, and then and then I wouldn't necessarily listen to what your head says, but write what it says, and you'll be surprised what comes up. I'm really, this was one I was really curious about because you are a great relationship coach. How have your past experiences and relationships made you the coach that you are today? Yeah, well, I will start with in my former life, my former, former life, what I went to college for was technical theater. I was a stage manager. I got to tell people what to do. And it you, was had, my, you had made a great teacher, actually. It was my favorite thing to do. <laughs> tell people what to do, organize them, tell them where they're supposed to be, when they're supposed to be. And so that right there, you know, is not that as a coach, I tell people what to do all the time, but I do sometimes. Like it gave me this, being a stage manager gave me this ability to see detail in a way that I couldn't before and in a way that I think a lot of people can't. And so it gives me on a very practical level, you know, I, I just know how to watch people. And when I'm coaching them, you know, I can watch body language. I can listen for certain things. You know, I know how to listen to them on a more, what I call the 4D level, you know, my intuition. I, I hear things with my intuition as well. And I think it comes partly from, from that career. Then I was doing birth work. I was a doula. So I attended a lot of women during their births. I was training to be a home birth midwife. So I attended about 30 births with women, caught a couple of babies. And that is further, that, that career really taught me patience and listening, which is very important as a relationship coach. Absolutely. And again, just furthered that intuition around what's happening with someone. When you're attending a woman in labor, like she's very honest. 
And so as a kid, you know, I learned how to listen for honesty. And so now I, I'm quite good at being able to tell when someone is, I can feel when they're being honest mm-hmm. and when they're not sure about that is, what's that is so great. Yeah, I can, I can see why using that intuition mm-hmm. is such a powerful part of, be, of being a coach. That's for sure. I love asking, oops, sorry, I dropped my mic. I love asking whoever I can. It's always so much fun mm-hmm. to see and so powerful because I, teachers today, I, I think, are, do not feel the appreciation that they're worthy of. So I love to ask my guests, tell me about a favorite teacher or principal who made an impact in your life and what the result was. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to have to say my second grade teacher, Mrs. Erin. When I was in second grade, I was this kind of awkward kid. I was super skinny. My mom had given me this really short haircut. So I, and, and I, she had this one little outfit that she loved for me to wear this brown tan corduroy pants and jacket. And so I was very self-conscious that I looked like a boy. And I actually remember, it's one of my only memories from childhood, very few that I have. I went to school one day and I was wearing this suit and I was crying. I think this was after the playground or something. And I was crying and Mrs. Aaron came up to me and she just, she asked me what was wrong. And I just told her, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm worried I look like a boy. I'm so sad. I, you know, whatever it was that I said. And she was so great. You know, she didn't try to fix anything. She didn't tell me, you know, oh, those other kids are just whatever. She just listened to me. And she just, she actually asked me, you know, what would you like? What do you want? And it was at that point I remembered that I had these little pink barrettes, pink poodle barrettes. Those of you that are my age might remember these little plastic barrettes that people had that they had little animals on them. I remember the pink poodle barrettes. I had some in my desk and, and she helped me put them in my hair. And so I felt a little better and different and she gave me a hug and, you know, everything was, it was great. It was great. And oh, that is so small. Shout out to Miss <laughs> Erin, wherever, yes. Mrs. Erin, wherever you are. Yes. And that story that you told is is happening over and over and over again at our at our school side. And it's not witnessed often. It's so often anonymous, but I'm so happy that you shared that. And so thank you. Thank you. That really that just touched my heart. Thank you. All right. What now that we're we're kind of getting down to the end, what is one question you wish I'd asked you but didn't? And how would you have answered? I wish you had asked me, what have I learned about relationships from my chickens? <laughs> I would have never asked that one. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Well, what have you learned so, from your chickens? Yeah, anybody that knows me knows that I have, I have chickens on my property and I love them dearly. 
And what I have learned from my chickens is to just say what you want, say what you need. It really does come back to this honesty thing. Chickens don't pretend. They don't pretend and they do not hide what they're feeling. If they want to be near you, they come near you. If they don't want to be near you, they go away. If they're hungry, they will let you know. So that and is, so they're never passive aggressive, right? No, they are just aggressive if they feel like they need to be. <laughs> they're honest. They're just honest about what they need. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. That was a great story. So, so we're sadly we're coming to the the end of our time together, but. Carrie Lynn, where can our listeners find out or find you or find out more about you to learn more? You are always welcome to visit my website, which is carrylynncoaching.com. You are also welcome to email me anytime, which is carrylynn at carrylynncoaching.com. Very simple. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for being on this episode and we got to talk about so much more than transitions, even chickens and yes. love languages. I love it. So thank you so much. I'm so grateful that you were here and uh, take care. And thanks for y'all. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe. And also take a few seconds to give the show a rating and review on whatever platform you are listening to. And if you would like to learn more, then head on over to www.lynnhardin.com forward slash resource. And I have a download for you.